Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Peter Renton with me. Peter is the publisher and chief blogger at Land Academy, the most widely read website about peer-to-peer lending. Welcome. Thanks, George. Thank you for being here, Peter. I appreciate it. Let's talk about before Land Academy. We're going to get into that soon. I just want to talk a little bit about your previous business business experience. Around 2008, you have sold your business mm-hmm. in, the, I believe it was in the label printing industry. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how you got started in that business? Sure, sure. Well, it's, you know, it's actually, um, it's a fairly long story, but I'll try and make it brief. We've, my, my father was an entrepreneur and he actually started a label printing business in Australia, which is where I'm from. Um, yeah, but that was, he started that business before I was born. Uh, he's, you know, I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, wanted to sort of do, uh, do that myself. And the opportunity came when, uh, when I was, uh, I just recently graduated from college and my background's actually, um, computer science. So, but anyway, I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to sort of join the family business and expand it overseas. So, um, we, I, I basically moved over to the U.S. I was planning on being here three to five years, but um, this is that was 23 and a half years ago. So, I'm still here and um, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. And yeah, so anyway, I, I brought the, I brought the business over here. I built that up. It was a sort of a mail order, um, a catalog type business for the, for labels. Built that up and then sold that. Um, and actually, before I sold it, I'd started a second business in the label printing industry, and that's the that's the business that uh, that I sold in 2008. So I really spent that was you know basically almost 20 years in the label printing business before I decided that I, I wanted to do something new. So did the two businesses become one? Because uh, you mentioned that uh, the second business is the one that you sold. In 2008, or you kept them separate? No, they were, they were always separate. The the second business um, was actually a, a, a we we actually were a manufacturer. So the first business was more of a distributor, marketer of, of labels with a catalog, and and then eventually through a website. Um, but the second business was actually a manufacturer. We we had the machines. So basically, what what I started um, was the first. All digital label printing um, company in the U.S. and that was you know, I started that. Well, we launched in 2002. I spent a lot of 2001 kind of uh, researching it, but uh, launched in 2002, and that was that was something that um, you know I kept separate because I they were very different businesses. One was a manufacturer, one was really a distributor. And so, how did you grow your uh, label label printing business? Uh, was it through traditional advertising? Because um, I mean, obviously, it seems like you know you you started in two thousand two, right? Mm-hmm. So you know there was there was the internet back then too, yeah, and, sure. and I don't know how much you relied on on the internet, and how much you relied on traditional like brick and mortar type of marketing. Well, it's funny because my previous business um, that was actually still running in 2002, um, that was that was purely direct mail. That was the real. It was very much an old school business where we relied. I you know, rented mailing lists, sent out physical pieces of mail. You know, we were we we sent out you know uh, like several hundred thousand pieces of mail every year, and built that up um, quite successfully doing that. But um, when I moved over to the manufacturer. 
I, I quickly realized that direct mail was is just not the appropriate uh, wasn't the appropriate um, advertising vehicle. So I tried to look a few different things, and one of the things I tried was Google AdWords, and this was early 2003, and. I, I, that, I once I knew I knew within 24 hours that that was going to be um, my focus because the phone started ringing, things uh, things happened pretty quickly. We were really um, the first label printer to make uh, to make a real focus, put a focus on Google AdWords. So we had the market pretty much to ourselves for you know a good 12 to 18 months, and we um, you know, we really took advantage of that. It's interesting that back in 2003, AdWords was so inexpensive and and so easy <laughs> yeah well, i mean it, seriously it was it was i was astounded at um i would look around at all these other label printing companies and no one was on there and i'm thinking no this is this is just amazing that um it's it it really i had the market to myself and i was spending like 15 cents a click and you know and just generating um you know we we would just generate basically i'd spend five thousand dollars and i'd generate a hundred thousand dollars in sales and, yeah. and, you know, and like $30,000 in profits. So it was, it was um, I just really couldn't, uh, I was basically once, once I discovered that, it was a case of just managing the growth, trying to grow as fast as I could. The trouble with manufacturing, it's not as easy to scale as, as virtual businesses. You have to buy machines, hire people, it's capital intensive. So we, you know, but we really spent a lot of time focusing on building, uh, you know, just on building the infrastructure needed to have a fast growing printer printing business. Okay. Uh, how many employees did you get with uh, those businesses? Well, when we sold, um, when the first one was always pretty small, we only had, no, we never had more than five employees. The the second one, when we sold, we had 23 employees. Okay. And and why did you decide to sell in the end? Well, it was interesting. I actually, um, we were not for sale. We were planning on selling at some point, um, but we we got approached by what was um, back then the number three, um, the third biggest printing company in the country, and they they wanted to get into into digital label printing, which was we owned that niche, and so they they pretty they aggressively pursued us, and you know we eventually came to a deal. So we were not we were not officially for sale when we uh, when we made the deal. Did you? How, how did it change your your life to to sell? What year was that? Was it 2010? 2008 was when I, I sold. 2008. It was July 2008, just before all hell broke loose in the in the uh, financial system. But uh, it uh, yeah it was so it was we, it you know it was um, it well and actually question it, cha- it changed my life dramatically. Suddenly I you know this was. Um, a significant sale, um, you know, basically gave me lots of options, gave me choices to, to you know, do pretty much whatever I wanted to do with my life. That was that was really the the liberating factor. And so I, I actually I worked for the new owners for a while, um, then basically took some time off deciding what what I wanted to do next. And I had at the time you know I had two young kids, so I spent a lot of time at home just. Um, you know, hanging out with the family that was um it was great did a lot of travel as well and uh it really you know it felt i felt like it was just a it was a wonderful time that uh you know the the the, the time right after that sale 
Yeah, so it was liberating and unexpected at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you weren't actively trying to sell the business. Yeah, no, I thought I'd be in that business for another five or ten years and you know, even maybe even spend most of my career in that in that business. It was uh you know, it, it, we, I I knew we had a we had a really great business going. It was growing with the fastest growing label printer in the country. We we had uh we, we had a lot of um people interested in what we were doing. So I thought it might you know, we we you know, we might uh be able to sell it pretty you know, sooner than what um, what I'd originally planned but uh, yeah it uh, it was it, you know it, it, it all came together um, nicely and not being for sale as a uh, as a business owner gives and when someone's pursuing you you have a lot more um, negotiating uh, ability and that was we certainly use that to our you know to uh, to the utmost potential Okay. And so how soon after that did you transition or develop an in you know an interest in peer to peer uh peer to peer lending? Well, I made my first investment it was just over 5 years ago. Um it was back in 2009 and I you know I I was just interested in it from What kind uh, from of investment? A, from an investment perspective, it was um I invested in Lending Club. I opened an account at Lending Club, and uh, it basically was just you know, just a personal account and transferred some money in, uh, and I, I loved it. I, I, at the time, I had no intention of making this my my full time career. Back then, I was still I was still looking at different things. I would go on to, um, you know, I'd go on to like website, uh, yeah, website marketplaces where they're buying and selling websites and look at different ideas. I would, I would just. I was always out and about looking for different things to do, things that would that would that I found enjoyable that I, I feel like I could sink my teeth into next. Now, the good thing is I didn't have I didn't have to hurry into it. I felt like I you know I had some time and I I basically you know I, I think I had probably 15 different ideas over the course of a year or two where things this is what I'm going to do and then it uh, you know I it. For whatever reason, I, you know, I, I never really, it never felt right, so I'd move on to the next idea. And can you give us a couple of ideas that just was an idea but never really felt right? <laughs> well, they're, they're all over the place. See, one of the things that I, I, I didn't want to do was go back into the label printing business. I, I wanted to start something completely different. So, one of the, one of my ideas was, you know, small business um, consulting, marketing consulting. I love small business. I've, I've been around small business my whole life. I thought that um, most small businesses do a really poor job with marketing, particularly online marketing, which I, I felt like I was a, I was very much an expert in. So I, that was one business. But um, I soon came to realize it wasn't really, I just wasn't passionate. I liked, I liked, um, I liked selling something other than just a service. So I liked, I liked sort of having something more tangible. So I actually then, one of the next ideas I had uh, was uh, bamboo clothing, clothing made from bamboo, totally random, I know. But uh, I just, I, again, I was just keeping my eye out and I thought, wow, you know, bamboo's a really fast-growing um, crop. It's very easy to, uh, it's very sustainable. Um, so I thought that was something I, like, you know, having a physical product that I could sell. So okay. that um, that ended up, you know, I was just going. I wasn't. I wasn't passionate enough about it. Um, so yeah. then, so then, you know, you know, what, you mentioned this. This is interesting about the online marketing for small businesses mm -hmm. because why do you say that? And I mean, I do agree with you. But what are? Why do you say that small businesses, most small businesses, do a poor job with online marketing? Can you give us a couple of examples? 
Um, boy, I, I feel. I like, mean, it's a long list. But yeah, I, mean, I, I feel sure. like you can just go to any any small business. Just walk down um, Main Street of any town in this country, then go Google the businesses um, while you're while you're walking down, and you'll see, you know, websites created in the 1990s, um, you know, not 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 optimized for a phone. Um, there's there's just it's I mean you it's 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 bad it's it's bad because most people get into business because they love they they love the the product that they create or the the niche that they're in so they they really they love clothing and they start a clothing store or they they love antique clocks and they start an antique clock store or whatever whatever it is um, you know like in the printing industry most people who own the businesses there came from um, you know they off, they came from off, um, like they would be in the in in the warehouse working for somebody else and they they knew the business they loved the business and wanted to do something there so they don't know marketing marketing is something that most people you know just don't really pay much attention to and particularly small business owners they they don't really even they don't love the business side of what they do they often love the product side of what they do and you know, that's you know, that's just not how you if, you, if you run a small business, to run a small business success, successfully, you need to be a jack of all trades. You need to be a, a little bit good at everything. And that's where I think most small business owners fall down. They're really good at a couple of things, but other things they're just not very good at at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because when, you know, when we go out to eat, for example, with my wife and I, and, and we look at a new restaurant, let's say a new chain, and the food is not great, mm-hmm. the food is okay, but the service is okay, and the place looks okay, and nothing is really great, but because so many things are good, you know, it's a success. And, and, and you go to some other restaurants where, you know, maybe the service is great, but the food is not good, and the, and the place is dirty, or whatever. But these successful places, they're, they're okay at most things, as opposed to being great at one or two things. Yep, yep, that's the success. And that's, that's the interesting piece. I feel like, um, you know, if, if you're the would-be entrepreneurs in, the, in, in your listening audience, uh, I think should take, uh, take heart that most small businesses, even successful small businesses, um, are not outstanding. They're not by any by any stretch of the imagination. They they are okay. They do okay. It's not. And I I, I noticed that coming into becoming a manufacturing or labour printing business, um, I thought it was going to be much harder than it was. Um, but the fact is, most people just do an okay job. And if you if you really want to dedicate yourself to to do to being the best. Um, while it's not easy, it's certainly not impossible um, to be the best in in your industry. Yeah. So then you went on to purchase SocialLending.net. Mm-hmm. How did you find this site? Um, you know, what was your method? Um, you know, and why why did you decide on this particular site? So I was um, this was back uh, um, over the summer of 2010 when uh, I I was actually I, I told my wife I was I was going to spend the entire summer not working at all, and because before I was I was doing a, I was doing a little bit of consulting here and there, and I would you know I, I would keep myself busy, and I said right that summer I'm not going to do a thing when we traveled a lot, so but I, I would. Um, Get onto Flipper.com. That's F-L-I-P-P-A. They're they're a marketplace for buying and selling websites. And I would just be on there. Yeah, a couple of times a week, I just tool around on there just to see what was for sale. And I saw SocialLending.net for sale, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. But didn't do anything about it because I'd made a promise that I wasn't going to actually. you know, work over the summer. So I just made a note of it and 
let it go didn't bid on it didn't do anything but then after after labor day when the summer was over i remembered it um and so pretty soon after i contacted the owner of the site it had not sold in in the auctions um so i said well is it st- so would you still sell it to me and he said yep so we um yeah we negotiated uh, an agreement and off i off i went so and that, and, that, and the business model for that site was really just it was really an affiliate marketing play and that was one of the things i was starting to lean towards doing was um, affiliate marketing because you know I like online marketing and it felt like I wanted to do something that was virtual that I could do anywhere in the world and um, and, I, and I felt like becoming an affiliate marketer was something that uh, that was appealing to me and and this was uh, an industry that I, that I felt uh, um, I loved. I felt like I could really, I could sink my teeth into it and write about it on a regular basis. Uh, but right then, it was just, it was a fairly static website with, I and mean, it was built on WordPress, but with like 20, I think it was like 25 articles on it total, and hadn't had hardly been updated for you know for many months. And it, you know, it was, it was, it, I could see the potential. So. I just, you know, I decided to jump in and I, I, I bought it and, and started doing this full time. So what convinced you? I mean, I mean uh, can you talk about how much you bought this uh, domain for? Yeah, it was, it was less. It was just under $5,000. Um, so for under 5000 even, you know, it's not hundreds of thousands, but it's still $5,000. So what, what, uh, what value was there? I mean, you mentioned it was a WordPress site. Yeah, so there was a WordPress uh, Did it have site. substantial traffic? Did it, what, what, uh, what kind of presence did it have uh, to, to value um, you know, to to warrant that kind of valuation. So it, it 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 was an affiliate site for the two main the two main platforms in the peer to peer lending uh, lending club and Prosper, and it had relationships with both those companies, and it had uh, revenue monthly revenue from both those companies. It was you know it was it was averaging you know, three hundred four hundred dollars a month um, in revenue. And uh, so that was that was what justified the the selling price was that okay. this was something that I could I could start. It had traffic. It had about a thousand visit, visitors a month, um, and so that was pretty much all from all from the search engines. And you know, it it, it was something that I could get into um, and hit the ground running. And I feel like I could build from it. So, and the site is about peer to peer. Lending, and that some. Uh, what year was it when you rebranded it to Land Academy? Yeah, so I I rebranded it to Land Academy. Um, it was in 2012. Uh, it was like 18 months after I bought it. Um, and why re- was that? Well, I felt like SocialLending.net was. Um, it just the, the the industry was moving away from the social side of of you know you know of uh, this industry. So it was basically. You were, it was it was called peer-to-peer lending, but it was also called social lending, particularly in the early days, because it was going to be this kind of you know social peer group kind of thing where you borrow money from your from your peers, and there's like social pressure to pay, and that ended up really moving away. And I I, I decided that it, I didn't like the name social lending, and I wanted to enc- I wanted really a name that. Um, encompassed what the mission was and, the, and what what was what this was about, and really my mission was about you know, furthering the um, furthering the knowledge about this industry and teaching people how to invest and how to borrow um, through peer to peer lending. So that's when I had like I had like 50 different names that I I came up with and, and settled on Lend Academy and LendAcademy.com was available. So 
I, I registered it and um, and rebranded. Were you worried about losing search ranking and potentially damaging uh, the brand uh, during the transition? Yeah, I, I was. I actually hired. Uh, I had somebody to help with that. Um, didn't I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose the traffic, and we did um, you know, redirects on every single page on the site. And by that stage, there was you know there was a couple hundred pages on there, so we I, I didn't, which was getting decent traffic. So yeah, I I, I really I was nervous about it. Um, and I, but, you know, the, we pulled the switch, and it, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't notice any any reduction in traffic whatsoever. So, when you purchased um, SocialLending.net, how much traffic did it have, and how much does it have now? Lending Academy, I mean. Yeah. So, um, like I said, SocialLending.net, it had about a thousand um, unique visitors a month, and. Um, that that was that was a lot. Most of that was from one keyword, um, social lending uh, search phrase, because it was in the domain, um, and so that was where the good chunk of the uh, the traffic was coming from. Now um, we have we have about twenty thousand unique visitors a month, and um, so we've increased about twenty times, and, and the page views have increased uh, more than twenty times uh, from memory, and that's because we have we have so much more content uh, on our site today. Okay. Um, so one of your, your goals with Land Academy is to be the number one resource in the peer-to-peer -peer industry. Mm -hmm. So tell me your strategy to reach that goal. Um, I mean, you know, you, uh, on your website you talk about uh, create great original content, guest post, uh, comment uh, widely. Is, is that pretty much what you, what you do in terms of you know, getting to that level of traffic and, of course, growing it down the road? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I, what I, I, I devote myself to, to two, kinds of, two kinds of things. I, I, want, um, I want any news that's of interest to investors, that's going to be covered on Lend Academy, and then educational content. And that, that's, pretty, that's pretty broad, but really anything that furthers the, the, you know, basically some new content that furthers the knowledge of the reader. And, and that, um, you know, I, I, like I started a podcast about um, eight months ago, and that's something that is, you know, that, that is starting to gain some traction and get um, we're getting quite a few downloads. Um, that's because that that also fits in with the mission. And you know, we, Lend Academy is um, is really become the platform, and it's really what it's done. It, it, it's it's helped me become uh, recognised as sort of the leading expert in in this space. And what that does, it it gets you a lot. Um, just a lot of other opportunities can come your way. So. For example, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also co-founder of the Lendit Conference, which um, you know I have uh, I have three other co-founders, but that that came um, that came that became possible because the when they decided this person decided that they wanted to do a conference, they said, well, who is the leading person in the space that we should partner with to do this conference? And they and so they quickly discovered that that was me, and so that they, they reached out to me. So those are the opportunities that can come. And you know, and then now I'm even I, I, like just in the, uh, this year I'm launching another launching another business called Lend Academy Investments, which is uh, which is an investment management firm which basically takes people's investments um, that people who want to invest through peer-to-peer -peer lending but want a, a professional money manager to do it for them. We provide that service now, and again, that really came out of people. Um, asking me to do that, and I, 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 I didn't have the capacity or the qualifications to do that. So, over you know, over 
over a long period of time decided that uh, that was an avenue that I felt like there was an opportunity that uh, that I could exploit there because I'd created a real um, brand for myself and for Lend Academy as the leading expert in the space. So what are some uh, examples of content that you create that work especially for you, hmm. work really well? That's, that's a good question. Um, I think what I, what I tend to focus on, um, like, I, like we, I, I like to do a, a mix of new, uh, um, like new um, investors, people who don't know the space at all. So I have like this, a really detailed um, lending club and prosper review that goes through the, the platforms, takes, you know, there's videos that go along with it. Um, that that really goes in depth into the platform. So that's 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 some piece that's that's content that I, I feel like we've got some of the most in depth analysis um, reviews of the sites. Um, the other piece that I do is really try and and, and show investors you know, how to maximise their returns by you know different. You know, I, I share this is probably another thing that's important is I share my own returns and I share how I achieve those returns. So I, I basically share my investment strategy. That's that's really become popular. In fact, my most popular post every year is when I update uh, every every um, usually every January. I update uh, my investment strategy and share it, share it, and that becomes sort of the most popular post of the year. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, I do hear that all the time from bloggers. Is the more personal you can get in terms of your actual experience with your business, and then document it, the mm -hmm. better. Yep. So yeah, it sounds to me that works well for you. It does. And I actually took, um, and some of your readers might know about Pat Flynn, SmartPassiveIncome.com. I I've been a, a reader of his for many many years, and he the really the idea for the sharing came out of um, basically following his blog and he his monthly income report and he shares in detail how he's able to generate an income from, from all of his businesses. And so that was sort of the, the impetus for me to, to really share what I'm doing. So it's, it's one thing to create great content, which, which you are uh, doing, but what do you do to, to promote that content? What advice do you have and, and what strategies uh, are you using to actually promote the content because a lot of times we hear you know people well you know I spend a lot of time you know create all this good content and then nobody comes to actually read it so what what do you do right so I think and back in the early days of what I was of um, like the sociallending.net um, you know, blog that that's what would happen I would create content and nobody would come and read it um, so what I would do I you know I would comment on other people's blogs. That was one of the first things I did. It's very easy to do. I would become active on forums in, um, in the industry forums and making, making the point never to be um, outwardly promotional. Like I, would, I, I erred on the side of being very careful about not being self-promotional. Just wanted to be there as, you know, as a commentator, um, add to the conversation. And when, you know, when, when you're commenting on another person's blog, you, just, you, know, you make sure that you're providing a unique perspective and not just saying, Hey, great post, love it. Um, you know, you want something to be of value, and then then you you slowly start to get noticed. And the other thing I did, um, you know, I reach out to 
like reporters covering the space. You know, I had you know, all my Google alerts set up. So whenever a, a, a story came out about this industry, I would then contact that journalist and say, hey, I, I, I liked your story. Here are the two things I liked. Here's one thing that I think you could have meant, could have added to make it better. And that's the sort of thing that I, I did. And I made, I was religious about doing that. I, I did that with every single story that was published in a, any major publication. I would reach out. And again, not... Um, not trying to promote myself and then I would do that again and again and then eventually um, these journalists would, would, would start to know that I'm a resource for them and they would contact me and link to me. So, you know, I got a New York Times article with a direct link to my homepage, you know, NPR, um, Wall Street Journal, all of these, all of these um, publications now link to Lend Academy because I've really made it a major conscious effort to develop relationships with those, with those writers. Okay, so so building those relationships has been very beneficial for you. And and one point with one point you need to be you need to be patient because you can um, you know you can do this a lot. And you know the first time you know I spent a lot I, this Wall Street Journal um, article I spent a lot of time um, with this reporter and then I got the, the the article was published. It was a front page article on the Wall Street Journal and she mentioned my name and didn't mention my website and I was like oh my god that is such a bummer um, so you've just got to, and you know if you if I went back and sort of sent her a snide email saying well thanks a lot you could have mentioned my website you know that, that would have been the end of that relationship but instead I you know I contacted her and said hey next time I'd really appreciate the website so sure enough you know six months later she did another article and mentioned my website with a link and that's the sort of thing that you've, you've always got to look at it from their perspective, from the reporter's perspective, to really see how they are, you know, see, see what they want, and and don't just try and put your own agenda out there. So, how many blogs and forums do you think is a manageable number for somebody that tries to do what you did with with your website? I mean. You know, I mean, you can do this all day long. You know, you can do it with hundreds of sites or ten sites. What, what do you think is a good uh, compromise, so to speak? Well, what what I would do, I would I, I try and try try and find the most valuable sites, and not not necessarily valuable as in the most trafficked or the lowest you know the the lowest Alexa ranking or the highest Google page rank, but the most sort of a combination of everything. What are the best sites that have the best content, which are engaging people on their on their site? So, I, I mean, when I was getting, I mean, I really think ten or twelve is is uh, a good number. And but the other thing you can do is, you know, you, you look at Google Alerts. I used to spend an hour um, really going through my Google Alerts and commenting on every single story that would come through on Google Alerts. So I'd have my my main kind of ten or twelve, but then I would have, you know, I'd have you know, just some random a random blogger would write an article, and I'd boom, I'd be out there commenting. So all the people that came that to that blog would now know that, and I'm I'm there. And oftentimes, you know, if you make an intelligent comment, people will you know, you'll, you'll get you'll get traffic from them. Okay. Now um, I'm very interested in the first one two years of of business because most businesses fail and they fail early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, since you build multiple businesses and now you're building a new business as well, what do you think is the most important thing, especially the first 12 months of being in business for an entrepreneur in terms of their activity? What do you think they should spend their time on? 
Well, I think uh, I think um, yeah, marketing is probably one of the most critical critical pieces. But the the, the thing that uh, I would um, I think is more important than marketing is making sure you have enough money. The, you know, but people go out of business because they run out of money. That's the that's the most uh, the most common uh, common cause. Now in the online space. You know, a lot of people are doing this part time, which is great because you can kind of get a, you can get an audience, you can create a sustainable, a sustainable site, be, you know, and do it and do it without without throwing in your day job, so you don't have to run out of money. But if you know, when you do, if if you would decide to do this full time, you've you know, you you really need to need to have enough financial backing, and you need to be realistic about it. If you, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not the traditional entrepreneur where I had, you know, you know, a really long business plan in place and knew exactly where I was going. I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of uh, of business planning. Um, I think it's it's it has its place. If you're trying to raise money, you have to have some some sort of plan in place. But if you're if you're just funding it yourself. Um, you know, it's it's good to be able to be reactive. Look, look and see what's what's out there, what's working, what are you, what sort of posts are you getting the most traffic to, and, and and do more of that. And you know, how can you monetize it without? And it's important to monetize it without without pissing off your audience, because yeah. that's that's something that I see again and again. You know, people have got decent content, but they've got ads all over their site, and it just looks horrible. And you know, or they're, or you know, they they've they've sort of had this great content, and then they've now monetized it with a with an ebook or a video course or something. And all the time now, they're just promoting that, promoting that in their emails. They're always promoting it, and it's like you know what you most important thing. Marketing is really important. Marketing needs to be intelligent, and you need to be providing value. It's like you know, what's in it for me? That's the most that that is. The, the mantra that everyone should have is with their audience. You want to make sure that you're providing something of value before you start hammering them over the head with it. And then, if you're providing something of value, people will, will they, they want to support you, and they will they will buy what you create. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? Hmm. Um, I think. I think there's. Uh, there's a couple of things that I think social media can be a major time waster. Like you can spend your entire workday on Facebook and Twitter and do nothing else, and and um, and have that be a part of yeah, be part of your day. I think I, I, I mean I think Twitter has been really important. Like uh, for me, as I said, like a lot of the journalists that I um, that I have had success reaching out with, I actually started my relationship on Twitter. So I would comment on the blog and then I would go and send them a tweet and they would they would send me a tweet back and that's kind of how the relationship started. So I think Twitter is really important. But um, the biggest time waster I think of, of all is email. And uh, you've got to be able to get it. I mean, I, right now I'm, I get hundreds of emails every day and I try and respond to every single one. And it's that, that now I'm about to get to the stage where I simply, it's simply not possible. I'm spending four to six hours a day on email. And the thing about it is what you, if you can have it like an email system set up, that's great. But um, email feels like work. And, and a lot of times it is work. If you're, you know, like I will have like I just just before I got on the call, I just I had an email come in from a reader who asked me a, a, a detailed question that's probably going to take you know a good 20 to 30 minutes to answer. So that's the sort of thing where uh, that's one reader. Do I do I have the, the the capacity to really answer that? And this is where I'm getting the stage where it's becoming a little bit too challenging. But having I think email can feel like work when you need to be actually doing 
real work that's you know creating content that's really marketing your marketing your um your company um my last question if 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 a friend came to you or somebody in your family and they saw your success in business but they had a job they don't really have entrepreneurial experience what would be the first thing you would teach that person what do you think is the first thing they need to learn if they're going to hack it as an entrepreneur <laughs> Well, I think um, they've got to decide. They've got to work on work out their passion. You need to. I mean, while you don't have to um, be a hundred percent passionate, and you don't even you don't even necessarily know what you're passionate about. But if you're doing something, if you, you just say, "Look, I want to make money. I want to. I'm sick of my nine to five job. I've got to find a way to make money." If you do something you're not passionate about, you're not going to be able to follow through with it. It's just um, it's going to be such an uphill battle. So I think. I think you know, follow your passion and then just go for it. Do something. It's so one of the beautiful things about the world we live in today is that you can start a business, you know, for very little money, almost no money. If you already have a computer and internet access, you can, you know, there's so many resources online. You can start a business. So, you know, give it a try. Start. Find something. Start it and see after two or three months. Is this something you're really passionate about that you can continue to work on for many, many years? Well, Peter, thank you very much for uh, coming on Success Harbor to share your story. Uh, you know, I, I wish you much success with your new business. And, you know, as a serial entrepreneur, uh, you know, you have so much wisdom to share with our audience. So I, I really appreciate it. How can people find out more about you or find out more about, uh, you know, peer-to-peer -peer, uh Lending. Sure. Well, um, obviously, I, I recommend everybody come to my site, which is lendacademy.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, at lendacademy. And those are the two places that you will really, you'll see me. Um, there's all, I also have the Lended Conference, which is lendit.co, uh, Lend Academy Investments, which you can get to also from lendacademy.com. So. so everyone, uh, check out lendacademy.com. Peter? Thank you very much. Hopefully you can come back maybe in a year or so and tell us how Land Academy is doing. Sure, I'll be happy to, George. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Mm -hmm.